much for all that. Let's stand for the reading of the word. Uh, again, I, I want to say it is good to have Brother and Sister Hildebrand with us. These people are very precious. They moved all the way down from Anchorage, Alaska. They were working with Brother Blackshear when they accepted this group at Wisconsin Dells. And this has not been an easy uh, thing for them, but I, I do hope that you're praying for them. God's going to be with them and help them. I know that he will. This morning, Brother Manley talked about death. Tonight, I'm going to talk about judgment. We're going to talk about the judgment day. Now, in Romans 14, and then Ecclesiastes 3, and he read from Ecclesiastes 3 this morning. Uh, I probably would not be reading this from Ecclesiastes 3 had not he have read from the book of Ecclesiastes. I just thought it would be good to follow up and read from the book of Ecclesiastes because he preached on this. It did he did such a great job this morning. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon us in a great way. From Romans 14, we want to read <clears throat> verse 9, and we'll read a few scriptures. For to this end Christ both died and arose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to throw a little thing, few little things in here as we read. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, that if a man judges his brother, he judges the law of God. Do you know that? And it goes on to say, and if you judge the law of God, you actually judge God. Now, that's pretty strong, isn't it? My. Is that, I think I'm reading that right. My glasses are indeed going bad. I'll tell you how bad they are. I was looking for them today, and I had them on. <laughs> I went, I'm serious. I went all through the house. I, I said, where are my glasses, Sister Grant? And I reached up, and I had them on. I'm serious with you. I had my glasses on. Well, all right. Oh, praise God. <clears throat> Verse 11, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account to, of himself, rather, to God. When you meet God, you will not meet God as a child of so-and-so. Or as a parent of so-and-so. You won't stand as a wife or a husband of so-and-so. You meet God alone. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And then Ecclesiastes three seventeen. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Praise God. You may be seated. <clears throat> While I may have this little funny streak going here, 
this is this is really a very very important subject extremely important it's so important that paul in the writing to the christians in rome when he talks about this he talks about the severity of judging your brother because this could be a stumbling block to him what he's saying is because that god will judge every man you want to make sure that you're not the cause for someone to go astray that's how serious it is that's what he's saying because if you cause someone to go astray that possibly could have held on to God. You think of the consequences that this person suffers as a result of falling away from God. Now, I have come to this conclusion in my study of the Scripture that the judgment seat of Christ, for the most part, simply means any place in which Christ sets himself up as judge. In Acts, the 10th chapter, verse 42, and this will be kind of a Bible study also, so we're going to give you time to look at some of these scriptures. Acts 10, if you would turn there. Verse 42, uh, Peter is preaching to Cornelius and to his household. He just reminds him of this. And he commanded us to preach the gospel and to testify that it is he which was ordained to be the judge of quick and dead. Now basically what he's saying is those that are alive, that uh, Christ, because the judgment seat of the Lord, as far as I can see, is, is really set up right now and we have access to the judgment seat of Christ right now now normally you know because we've taught home bible studies exploring God's word and such normally when we think of the judgment seat of Christ we think of what takes place after the Lord raptures the church in which uh, it will be a time that awards will be given or as the scripture uses, the vernacular rewards will be given for every man who lives right. But I'm assuming in my study of the scripture that, that uh, it's broader than just that. It does mean that, but it means much more than that. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, if you will turn there with me, in Hebrews 12, we find a scripture given. <clears throat> Hebrews 12:23. Uh, and I think I have the wrong scripture here, to tell you the truth. In fact, I know I have, so we won't even read that one. It's probably my glasses again. <laughs> <clears throat> but but we do know that that the scripture is telling us that that uh, that God not only will judge the pe people who die 
But uh, he makes it possible in which we can be judged now. Now, that's a very important thing for us to understand. Very important for us to understand. Now, who will stand before the judgment seat of Christ? All sinners will. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reason why the judgment seat of Christ is set up is not necessarily for the purpose of condemning people to hell, but making it possible that people in realizing their horrible, deplorable condition can go to the Lord directly and there they can find mercy simply by asking Him to forgive them. Now the Bible tells us <clears throat> that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means no man will escape the judgment seat of Christ. That every person that's ever lived will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Adam, the first man who walked on the face of the earth, will give an account for his first sin at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, he may have done that in his day, or he may do that at a later date. That I can't answer. Because I'm not really for sure in my study of the Scripture exactly what the status of Adam was when Adam passed from this life. I don't know. I know what the Bible says about Eve and the horrible consequences that came to her as a result of her sin. I do know that when they were expelled from the Garden of Eden, that the Lord killed an animal, obviously as a blood sacrifice, showing them how they could receive atonement and covered their partially naked bodies with the skins. Now, it is, it is so amazing to me in my study of the Scripture that, that all of the animals of the Old Testament that were sacrificed throughout the pages of the Bible, throughout history, you think of all of the, the blood running from all the animals. Countless thousands into the millions of animals were sacrificed in Israel. First in the, the tabernacle of the wilderness. Of course, even before then, Job was offering up sacrifices. Abraham was offering up sacrifices. It's the only thing they could do. They offered up sacrifices. Later on, when Israel went out of Egypt, she offered up sacrifices after the Levitical priesthood was set in order. Later on, we find the temple being built in Jerusalem. And you think of the countless thousands and millions of animals that shed their blood for the sins of Israel. Now, this is kind of gross, but I've been in some packing houses where animals have been slaughtered. I'm here to tell you, you slaughter a full-grown steer 
And it looks like gallons of blood coming from that animal. I don't know if you, any of you have ever been in, on the kill floor in a packing house, but I'm telling you, it's, it, it's, it's tough. And you can see an innocent animal as life leaves its body. And you can see a priest taking and placing his hand upon this. And somehow, as life leaves the body, it was like the sin of Israel. Or the sin of the man, if it happened to be an individual offering him, was leaving his body. I would dare say that of all the animals that were killed, if you dumped all the blood in Lake Monona and Mendota, they would look like a sea of blood. And yet the human body, only having just a few pints of blood, all of that blood together could not do, according to the book of Hebrews, what the few pints of blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross did. It was not powerful enough. So when we talk about Judgment Day, well, it does carry with it a very sad connotation because of the, the word judgment itself. Sounding as if a sentence is pronounced upon an individual. You must also understand that the sentence of eternal life is pronounced upon many. If you can call it that. But every man that's ever lived will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Adam and Eve and down through the many, many million people Billions of people. Presently five-something billion people upon this planet Earth. Not one of them. Not one starving person in Somalia will escape the judgment of God. Not one starving person in Ethiopia In the remotest villages of South America and Central America, not one person will escape where all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then it comes down to our present day, right here in America, not one American. All the great presidents that have ever lived, the great inventors, the great scientists, biologists, all of these people will stand before God. It makes no difference what your calling in life is. It, it may be important to the function of society and for the advancement of, of health, wealth, or whatever. But when it comes down to it, Everything that's done in life, everything that's accomplished is very, very insignificant if a man is not prepared to meet God. What do we talk about this? What did Brother Manley talk about death? 
Well, because we stood up here this morning with prayer requests. And we called the name of a family. The name of a family. I happen to have this prayer request right here. Pray for this family. I'm not called the name tonight. I don't want to use that in this message. Black River Falls. Here is a man that died. And the request is, pray for the comfort and safety of the many travelers today and tomorrow. And it is so important for us to understand this because we stand behind this pulpit almost weekly and address you with prayer requests of people who are left behind after a loved one died or someone that's about to die. It's not uncommon for us to even have two or three requests for the family that's left behind of, you know, someone who's passed on. Not uncommon for us to have several requests of people who are in intensive care in the hospitals. And we know that, that all of this is the result of man's sin. According to Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. So all of us, because we're sinners, you know, it just boils down to this, that even though we look at the, the masses, we must not ever forget that it also is talking about you and it's talking about me. It's hard for me to stand before the mirror and look at myself and look at my hands and, and, and realize that, that one of these days, I mean, these hands, this body, these eyes, they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard. Because, you know, I just see drywall everywhere. Ceiling tile, cement on the floor, carpet. I can't see through this carpet. That simply means that I can't see beyond what is concrete and what is earthly. But there is a, there is a world that's much greater than this world. There is a plan that's much greater than just your short tenure here on this planet earth. So all of us then have an appointment with Jesus Christ. Brother Manley, please forgive me if I repeat some of your message. It was just such a great message, such a timely one. Hebrews 9.27, the Bible tells us, as it, is, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. My, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. If you'd turn there, we want, we want to look in the very back of the book. And I know that most of us would classify this as the white throne judgment, but nevertheless... It's still a place in which Christ shall judge, which in essence is the judgment seat of Christ. 
Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Do you ever just stop to think that every deed you do, you have to give an account for it? Do you ever stop to think that the way you even think you're held accountable to God for that? For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That the discipline of the mind is so extremely important so that your activities are wholesome and fair. You've got to do that. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Now let me just say something before we go any further here that might just really put a clincher on this for some of you. If you do not force yourself to think of eternity, I mean, you may be a God-fearing, God-loving Christian, but if you don't force yourself to think of eternity, I'll guarantee you that just the love that you have for God, hear me now, And the love that you have to worship God will not keep you as rapture ready as what you might think. Now I know that the Bible says, I say the Bible says, I know that people say, well, we ought to love the Lord enough that we just do right all the time. Well, that sounds great in essence. But I wonder how many of us would be here if we weren't really for sure that there was a hell. If we weren't really for sure that we'd have to give an account. See, every now and then, preachers have to stand behind the pulpit, and this is becoming very rare, but it's needed. Preachers need to stand behind the pulpit to inform people that they need to give thought to all of their life. You need to do that. You see, we come to God not simply because we love Him, but because He loves us. We develop a love relationship after we come. I love Him because He first loved me. So every man's going to have to give an account according to his own works. Death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, the Bible tells us then we all have an appointment with God. First there's death, and then there is the judgment. We've read the white throne judgment, however... Like a lot of scriptures in the Bible, and this 
just really blows a lot of people's theology. There are exceptions to some rules. The exception to this rule is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. This is an exception to the rule. So when you uh, read this, it, it's necessary for you to understand that, that, that some rules just simply have exceptions. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means we will not all die. But we shall be changed. So the exception to the rule that people, that all men will die is this, that the rapture obviously would take place before some of us die. That's an exception to the rule. Now, if you're not rapture ready, there will be no exception for you. Now, just to clarify, Clarify this a little bit more. There are other exceptions in the Bible. See, the original rule or the original law dealing with sin, the soul that sinneth shall surely die, Ezekiel 18.4 explains this. The exception that's given to that is this. Except a man repent, he shall perish. Except a man be born of water and a spirit, See, Jesus Christ came along and gave us an exception to the original law, and that is that if we will repent, if we will be baptized, if we receive the Holy Ghost, then there is a portion of the original law of sin that is not applicable to us anymore. Aren't you glad God made an exception? See, I stand here not because of my goodness, not because that I just conformed myself to some Christian standards. I stand here as an exception to the original law because I repented of my sins. I was buried in His name and I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, oh, praise God. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now this is also found in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 17. I won't read that. You've heard me preach on this. This is the, that's the scripture, First Thessalonians, that's read more than this one. But I wanted to read this one because Paul uses, I show you a mystery. The word mystery really means revelation. I show you a revelation. I open your understanding to something that is extremely important. Now, if there is indeed an exception to the statement found in Hebrews 9.27 it's appointed unto man once to die after death the judgment an exception to the original rule the soul that sinneth shall surely die making reference to the second death then how can I avoid this? Well in Hebrews the fourth chapter verse 11 
I preached a whole message on this several times, but I want to read this. Hebrews 4, verse 11. But let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and of spirit, and of the joints and mora, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, the word's not found in the Bible, to my knowledge, but we use this term because it, it this word because it does indeed explain God. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. In Jude 25, he's called the, the only wise God. God is able to judge every man that's ever lived because he has seen every man or will see every man and sees all of his activities. Now, the reason why that it's so necessary for, for you to refrain from judgment you know, as a pastor, you have to put a lot in a message. So if any of you have the gift of gossip, you know, some people, see, only God is omniscient. You are not all-knowing. Some people think they know it all, you know. They are authorities on everything. Have you ever seen a person that just, I mean, they've got the lowdowns on everybody. I'm here to tell you that you may reach the point in which you are so godly that Shekinah glory shines from your eyeballs. But at the most, honey, you still see through a glass darkly. And you better watch what you say about people because you don't know the thoughts nor the intents of their heart. Only God has the ability of looking deep down inside and knowing that. Only God is qualified to do this. And this is the reason why the Bible says if a man judges his brother, then he, is a, he judges the law of God. And if he judges the law of God, he judges God. So you are not omniscient. You don't know it all. You don't have all the details. You don't have all the clues. You're not the Sherlock Holmes of Pentecost. You can't be. Only God knows. But because He knows, because He sees, because He hears, and because nothing escapes him, he and he alone is qualified to do this. The Bible says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, verse 14, we're getting into the good part of this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, 
but was in all points tempted like as we yet without sin. Oh, my. This is so powerful and so beautiful. I want to back up a little bit. I just, I just feel like just kind of somebody said, well, pastor, you're meddling. Well, so what? I'll just meddle a little bit. You know, here, here's the thing about it, you see. There are many people that do wrong that feel badly about it. And while you're feeling so bad you want to tell everybody, and gossip is no more than just sharing detrimental information about someone who is neither a part of the problem nor the solution. In other words, if, if you're not a part of the problem and you don't have a solution or you cannot, if, if the solution is out of your hands, then get out of it. Crying out loud, why would you want to just use your mind for a garbage pail? Get out of it. Because a lot of people do wrong, yes, but they feel badly about it. But they know what they can do in order to right their wrong. And this is what the Scripture is talking about. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace... But if you notice what happens at the throne of grace, the first thing that happens is at the throne of grace is that we may find, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mercy is the withholding of judgment. Simply means God could have, but did not. That's what mercy is. He could have done something, but he did not. 1 Corinthians 11.31, we just took communion last Thursday night, such a beautiful watch night service we had. But I want to read this scripture, and this is something I have not read in some time, talking about a man examine himself. But let a man examine himself. You're familiar with this, verse 28. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. But he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Verse 31, look at this. For if we would judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. Now, self-judgment is not just the believer's moral condemnation on his own ways or habits. It's not what it's talking about. It's saying that you come to a particular place in life through the leadership of the Spirit. See, that only God is able to show you where you're wrong so you can't trust your mind. You know, you can't do that. I can prove that scripturally. You can't trust your feelings. I can prove that scripturally too. And you, you can't trust your heart, for the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, if you can't trust your feelings, you can't trust your mind, you can't trust your heart, what can you trust? Well, see, you can trust the Bible. You can trust God that's inseparable from the Bible. So when the Holy Spirit begins to move upon you, and this is the reason why it's so necessary, 
Oh, when you enter the presence of God, I mean, you just enter feet first. Leave that brain behind momentarily. So you try to figure everything out, see. Now that, I hope you understand why I said the way. In other words, feet first. I mean, to take your faith to God before you take your brain. Just believe that, that God's going to help me if there's something wrong with me. God's going to point it out to me. If I'm doing something I ought not to do, the Holy Spirit's going to talk to me about it. Let me ask you this. Are you that open and that sincere and that honest with God? This is the reason why I think honesty is so great. Don't think you can make it to heaven without being honest. Just talking to Sister Grant today, and I just, I just said something. You know, and I said something to someone just this past week in... And it really wasn't an honest statement. Now, it was not a lie. I mean, I didn't lie about it. But I, I, what, I, what the deal was, I just didn't want to say. I'd been better off just say, well, I don't want to say. Or this is personal or it's confidential. I'd been better off. But, you know, you just give a person an answer, just kind of get them off your back. Well, the, the whole problem is that when they leave, you get to wondering if they, they didn't understand you to mean something else and, and because that the heart is desperately wicked and I'm not for sure that that was not my intent maybe I'm being a little bit too transparent I told my wife I said have, have you ever done this I said I have and I feel so badly about it let me inform you of something if you if, if you cannot be truthful and you cannot be honest and when you go in the presence of God, leave yourself wide open for examination. You won't be saved. You can't be saved. You've got to trust the integrity of God. That whatever God says to me, He says it because it's important and necessary. And you can't, can you make it through life without the leadership of the Spirit? Absolutely not. You're so foolish to even think you couldn't even make it to first base, let alone hit a home run. So you've got to reach that place with the Lord where you just, in prayer, God, I mean, this, this is something that takes place all time in the believer's heart. For this reason, then, the judgment seat of Christ must be set up right now. And that's, that's what Paul is talking about. When he says, we come boldly before the throne of grace, that even right now, see, while my knees are on the ground, I am able to come before the judgment seat of Christ and say, Lord, I examine myself. Your Holy Spirit, God, spoke to me. I took a careful look inside of my heart. There's some things inside of my heart that I'm not happy with. I mean, if every work shall come into judgment, and if the believer is to live a life free from condemnation, and the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but after the Spirit. And if 
I am to live in this state of innocency, in this state of purity. I have to have access to the judgment seat of Christ this very night. And I've got to be open enough and honest enough and I've got to be so free from the cares of this life, so disassociated from the world that regardless of what the Holy Ghost tells me to do, that I am able to lay it on the altar and forget about it and ask God to make things right between Him and myself. I can't do it. Only He can do it. I can't pardon myself. I can't release myself. I can't find mercy. I can't kill enough animals to cover my sin. Only the sacrificial Lamb of God and the blood of Calvary can set me free. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. So the judgment seat of Christ is set up right now. It's set up right now. I can send myself or my sin right into His presence and say, Lord, here I am, Lord. Take me, O God. Take me, God. But when we are judged, verse 32, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. When I read in Revelation 20, this is talking about the condemnation of the world. So the Scripture is saying there has to be a way then in which we can be judged now. You need not turn there, but 1 Timothy 5, 24, Paul talks to Timothy. He said, some men's sins are sent beforehand. Others come after them or with them. Aren't you glad that you can send all of your iniquities to the judgment seat of Christ right now? Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, I talked about the new birth and the exception to the rule. The thing about it is that people who do not have access, I say access, everybody has access. People who do not take advantage of the judgment seat of Christ or they really do not take advantage of the access of the judgment seat of Christ. When these people die, they die with condemnation in their lives. You know, if a policeman sees someone shoot someone in the street, he will take the person take him to jail, say he's murdered someone. And in all probability, he'd be held in jail without bail until his trial. Now the reason why that there is has to be a trial is because of justice. Isn't it strange that we seem to understand that, don't we? Even though he was caught in the act, our judicial system says there must still be a trial. 
And that's what I read about in Revelation 20. And the story that's found in Luke 16, we, we will not turn there, just make reference to it that Brother Manley spoke about this morning. Luke 16 is Lazarus and the rich man. If I'm understanding the scripture correctly, not just by reading this, but by reading all other related, all other related uh, areas dealing with this, it appears that hell is the jail cell in which people are held until trial or until judgment day. Because if you will notice in Revelation 20, it says death and hell is cast into the lake of fire. In other words, the jail in which the guilty person waits for judgment day, the conditions are con just as confining as prison. You know, you just don't walk up to the to the door of the jail, knock on the door, and someone comes back and say, "I just like to take a stroll today." I think it's all right if I go on the sidewalk and look around a little while. Doesn't work that way, does it? I mean, once you're behind bars, you're going to be there until someone sets you free. But in this case, because you're guilty, then you're going to be put in prison. Will this happen to all men? It will happen to all men unless when their appointed time comes, there's no condemnation in their life. See, Jesus says in John 3, he talks about the new birth, and then he goes into the what we consider the, the most used scripture of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it says that Jesus came not in the world to condemn the world because the world was condemned already. So all of us were condemned. Why? Because we were sinners. And if we don't have access to the judgment seat of Christ now to rid ourselves of that condemnation, we continue to live this life of guilt and shame and our horrible corruption. There's no escape. You remember how it was when you were in sin? You remember how miserable you were? You remember how that you every night just something different, something exciting, something had to take place? You remember that? And then all of a sudden, you found Jesus. We, we used to sing a chorus. Haven't sung in a long time. I searched for him and knew not what I searched for. I longed for him. And knew not what I longed for, but I found Jesus. 
Isn't that great? And then what does the Course say? Then I search no more. He filled that longing down in my heart. Praise God. Let me tell you something. One of the best feelings in the world is to discipline yourself against iniquity. Stay open to the Holy Spirit. Have access to the judgment seat of Christ. And go there daily. And I got my eye on some girls that have been talking here. Don't talk when I'm talking about something that's serious. Now, Jesus is the righteous judge, and I read this in Romans 14. We're going to be closing this message shortly. I just want to go back to Romans 14. I, I, I hope that this is, this is something that God just stamps on your heart. You know, when Paul talks about this, two places in, in the New Testament he talks about this. In Romans 14, <clears throat> verse, verse 9. For to this end Christ died, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, he says, you might as well just let it go anyway. You don't have access to all the information. And, and if he's wrong, God's going to take care of him. He won't get by with it. See? Now notice verse 11. As it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to me, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, you know, this, this Paul had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was. He reaches all the way back in the Old Testament, Isaiah 45, 23. Turn back there. My, he goes all the way back to the Old Testament, Isaiah 45, 23. Now, in the book of Isaiah, over and over and over, you will find that God declares himself to be alone, to be one, the only one. Uh, Verse 22, the Bible says of Isaiah 45, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God And there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say in the Lord, have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. Now if you notice all through the Bible, you'll find this. Thus saith the Lord, verse 11, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask me of anything. We use that a lot of times when we are speaking about faith. Throughout the the, the chapter here, uh, we, we find this. Even in 46 and 47, in verse 9, 
of 46. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. To him every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And Paul also speaks of this in the book of Philippians, the second chapter, verse 10 and 11. To him every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. To, to who? The only wise God, the only Lord that there is. Now there have been some that have been saying that there are two lords. I'm sorry, the Bible doesn't say that. And there are some that says that there's more than one God, and I'm sorry, the Bible does not say that. There is one Lord. And that's all there is. And the Lord of the Old Testament is the same Lord of the New Testament. In the book of Isaiah, this was the Lord of the Old Testament speaking. Paul picks this up and says, To the God of the New Testament, which is Jesus Christ, the Lord of the New Testament, every knee is going to bow and every tongue shall confess. That's the way it is. Let me just, let me just help some of you that may be having a little bit of struggle. I'll struggle with the Godhead. And somebody comes along and tells you otherwise. Don't believe it. You see, Jesus Christ was as much a man as I am a man. But He was God also. And some people only see Him in His humanity. Some people only see Him in His divinity. You will never receive a revelation of who Jesus Christ was until you understand that Jesus Christ was fully man. And yet He was also fully God. They shall call His name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. His name shall be called Jesus, Jehovah with us, for He shall save His people from their sins. Praise God. And you see, we have access straight to the throne of Almighty God, the judgment seat of Christ, in which we can go and take our helpless, hopeless souls and bear our burdens in His presence and say, I am a sinner, O God, save me! And only Jesus can save us from our sins! Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. It's heresy to say otherwise. There's only one God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Only one God. Praise God. Paul picks this up. Oh, hallelujah. If you read Jude 20, 25, there's only one chapter there. Oh, praise God. The Bible calls Him the only wise God. Jude 25. And we know this is speaking of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is back up and read this. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God and Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Now this is what the Scripture tells us. Not only will every knee bow to Him, but the Bible tells me that there will be a time in which every eye shall see Him. In Revelation 1, verse 7, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him 
and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, there's never been another one besides him. There is not another one right now. And which is to come, there never will be another one. The Bible says, The Almighty. Jesus Christ was God with us. And the reason why that He is qualified to judge every man that's ever lived is because it was God, the Spirit of God, that looked upon the deeds of every man from Adam to this day. God sent not another, but came Himself into the world. You know, I was just so amazed the other day. I was listening to a man on the radio, happened to be a Baptist minister. Let me tell you what's happening in our in our in our present religious world. Many people are coming to a very close a close revelation of who Jesus is. And he quoted John three sixteen. He said, "I want to requote this, just a discovery of mine in the Scripture." This is how he quoted when he requoted. For God so loved the world that he gave himself. He said it was God that came. They shall call his name Emmanuel. He quoted that. I thought, oh, hallelujah. Praise God. (laughs) There is a revelation that's sweeping our world about who Jesus Christ is. Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall rest upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Out of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm glad I know Him as Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. So one of these days... If you do not make your trip to the judgment seat of Christ before death, you will walk that long, long corridor that leads down to where he sits as the judge of the whole world. Now, if I'm understanding it correctly, you won't go down there with a lot of excuses. Actually, when you go down there, the Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. In other words, you're going to make a confession. You're going to say, oh, God, I'm sorry, Lord, that I I should have lived for you. I should have spent my 52 years. I should have spent my 35 years. I should have spent my 80 years. I should have spent my 90 years, whatever it is, serving you. You're going to make that confession. Only to hear him say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. For I never knew you. 
In other words, when death comes, if you're caught with condemnation, you will go to hell and wait for trial. But you don't, you don't have to go. Are you guilty of sin? Yes, you are. We all are. It was amazing to me that just one stroke of the pen that President Bush has the authority to pardon a former Secretary of State. It's amazing to me he can do that. I guess Defense Secretary wasn't. Sorry. Just, I pardon you. What happened? All the trial and everything stopped. The prosecuting attorney got upset about it. He said, oh, what can we do now? And he was trying to figure out, what can we do now? You know what the deduction was? Nothing. You can't do anything. You see, Jesus signed my pardon. The devil comes to seek and kill and destroy. The devil would like to see me burn in hell. Now, what can I do about John Grant's former sin? What can I do? Nothing. Why? Because Jesus signed my part. Oh, praise God. we got to stand. Oh, hallelujah. I'm feeling good in the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm. My Lord and my Savior, 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 my Lord and my Savior. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Ure mama sundar rabatia kama hatsatariya matai. Oh hallelujah. Let's just take time out to worship the Lord. Would you do that right now? Oh praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus be the Lord of all. 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 The kingdoms of